Okay, this one I want to share this morning is a continuation. Also, I want to conclude this word, which is called focus, God, focusing on God. So this is the second part I'm hoping to conclude on. I want to very, very briefly recap um, what I shared last time, and then I want to continue from where I left off. But one thing I want to mention today is that in life, we face so many different types of challenges. And the challenges that we come up against, whether they're good or whether they're bad, there's a response that we have to them. And the response that we have to those challenges will determine what we focus on. So think of yourself right now, the things that are happening in your life, whether they're positive or whether they're negative. There's a certain focus that you have right now. But how much of that focus is focusing on God? And that's my challenge to you this morning. Well, that's the thing I want to, one of the main things I want to highlight to you this morning. Because whatever you focus on, you give power to. Anything that you give a lot of attention and time to, that thing has a lot of power applied to it. You know, we mentioned when I went into this session the first time about the danger of focusing on yourself. Now, I didn't say that it's wrong to focus on yourself because some things you need to focus. But when you focus on yourself at the expense of the things of God, then that is when there is a danger that you, unfortunately, will face. This is where, at times, a lot of us have battles when it comes to things like unforgiveness and resentment, holding grudges, etc., because the focus is on us as opposed to being on God. You know, it's a reminder to us of what happened thousands of years ago in heaven. The very person that we are battling against now, Satan, didn't begin as Satan. If you remember, he began as Lucifer, as one of the senior angels in heaven. And whilst he was in heaven, his focus was on God as were all the angels. They were focusing on worshipping and praising and giving God thanks. Ah, welcome, Jadiel, Daphne, and baby Joel. Welcome, guys. It's good to see you. So Lucifer was focused on God in the presence of all the other angels in the presence of God. But the Bible says as time went on, his focus shifted from focusing on God to focusing on himself and as a result of that the bible said that he became proud and the very thing that was what that was at the focus which was worshiping god and the angels worshiping god and the presence of god etc the very thing that he himself was doing which was focusing on worshiping god he wanted that for himself and the bible said there was mutiny in heaven and satan was thrown out as well as a third of the angels now, that is a lesson for us because even in the very presence of God, we can be focused on ourselves. Satan, that's what happened to him. So if that can happen to Satan, the very same thing can happen to us. That in all our so-called closeness to God and what we're doing, we can still be focused more on ourselves than focused on God. And in a way that would be of detriment to our walk with him. Unfortunately, there were a few 
of us within the church are in a similar type of position where we're functioning, we're doing things, but our focus really is not on God as it should be, but it's on ourselves, it's on other things that are happening around us. But I believe that God wants to liberate and free us from having focus on other things and be focused totally on him. You know, when Nena was sharing, uh, when she was giving communion about forgetting it was Good Friday, I was thinking, I'm sure you're not the only person that forgot it was Good Friday. Because nowadays, that Good Friday is just seen as a break from work. Those of us who are working, it's a break. It's a bank holiday. It just so happens to be that it's Good Friday. And then uh, uh, good, uh, Monday is, is, is a bank holiday. But obviously, we know on Monday, um, that's also, uh, you know, he died or he rose again on Sunday. And then on Monday, you know, in the Bible, explains what happens. But it's all a significant time frame. But we don't tend to look at any of the significance. We just want our rest. <laughs> we want to have our time at home doing whatever we're doing. And that's because our focus is on ourselves and on things around us as opposed to our focus being on God. But as I said, God wants to liberate us, I believe, so that we are at liberty to focus on him. Because, see, when you focus on God, the interesting thing is that you focus on him in the midst of whatever battle you're facing, and you do that, God will bring the solutions to your problem when you focus on him. He will bring the answers to whatever question that you have when you focus on him. Whatever situation that you're in, because you're focused on him, he will bring whatever that you need to address that situation because we are choosing to focus on him. Now we know that as a church, CLF Medway, that our, our vision is being ready for the Lord's return. This is something that we are very sensitive about because we know the Bible says that the Lord could come at any time. So we need to be ready. You need to be ready for his return. Because when he comes, he's not coming and announcing that he's coming. But makes it very clear that he will come like a thief in the night. There's no announcement. Anyone that's been burgled before, which is a traumatic situation, the burglars didn't come and give you, send you a text in advance to say, I'm coming on Friday. So just make sure that all the expensive stuff is laid out so I can come and take it. You don't get any message. They will come, do their nonsense. When you come in, you see your stuff is gone. In fact, just a story by the by. <laughs> this is the true story. Somebody within the area that we live was burgled. And this technique that the person used was just tremendous. So they stole the person's car. And they left, they, in fact, they stole the car. They came back and left the car. And they left a note inside the car saying, I'm so sorry that uh, we took your car, that we needed it for some, something that took place. So as a, as a way of apologizing for the inconvenience, um, there are two tickets to a concert in London um, that I've left for you, so please enjoy. So the person that was burgled was like, wow, this is a really nice burglar that's leaving this, these two tickets for me. So lo and behold, the day of the, whatever day it was that the, those uh, concerts the tickets were, the guy and his wife and the family, they all went to London to enjoy this, whatever concert that it was. When they came back to the house, <laughs> everything in the house had well, disappeared because the person, they used intelligence. 
Whilst they were there, they went into the house, burgled everything, took everything. They came home and realized they had been properly burgled. This is some of the techniques that, that, that people use. So being ready for the Lord's return. Let me read the scripture, Mark chapter 13. I'm reading from verse 34 to 37. It says this, the coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you do not know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you, and I say to everybody, watch for him. Amen. Now see, the focus on this scripture is to watch. It's not saying to watch for yourself, but the scripture talking about watch when the master returns. And in the same way for us, we need to be watching concerning our lives as to whenever Jesus may return. And when we're focused on him, watching for his return is not a difficult thing. But see, when we're focused on ourselves, we're focused on our careers. We're focused on our families. As I said, those things are not wrong. They're not a sin. But as we sang that song, Jesus be the center of it all. With our families, Jesus should be at the center. With our jobs, Jesus should be at the center. With our finances, whatever position that they're in, Jesus should be at the very center of those things. So that whenever those things come up as a situation, we know that we are rooted and grounded in God. So we need to be watchful for God and be focused on him. You know, on a separate note, the Bible also reminds us that we are to be our brother's keeper. This is a very, to me, I find that this is a very interesting scripture because it really demonstrates how God wants us to be in relation with one another. Not just within a church setting, but generally. Being our brother's keeper is a very important thing. In other words, that we are to watch out for one another. That's what that, that, that um, reference means, when you're your brother's keeper. And in the same way you want somebody in the same way that you watch out for someone, it's similar to how you would want somebody to watch out for you. And the Bible says you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Which they say the golden rule. So how you want somebody to love you, or how you love somebody else, that's how you would want somebody to love you. That's, that's what the scripture is referring to. So with that scripture in mind, we're all empowered and encouraged to let our brothers and our sisters know, as in one another, and those online, you're also included, of course, that if we are doing anything that demonstrates that our focus is away from God, we should be encouraged, or we should be, how can I say, um, we should have an element of confidence to communicate such things to them, because we are our brother's keeper. So, for example, if I'm behaving in a way of doing things or, behaving or demonstrating things that show that my focus is off, it's not on God, it's on me, it's on other things together, you should be able to come to me and say, Mecca, boy, I've noticed that yeah, the, the, you're kind of, you're over here somewhere in terms of your, your, your relationship with God or your focus on God. All of us should be able to 
mention these things to each other if that is what we see because that is an example of being our brother's keeper. But unfortunately, because of the culture that we've kind of developed over the years, we don't speak to each other on that level because we're thinking, okay, well, if I say that, my brother's going to be offended or whatever. But the focus isn't on your brother being offended or your sister being offended. The focus in is, is, is on speaking the truth in love and focusing on God. So let us focus on God in all these things. Because when we do, God keeps us grounded. Whenever battles and challenges come our way, it's our focus on him that keeps us grounded. I want to read a few scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You cannot seek God and find him with all your heart if you're not focused on him. Colossians 3, verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have been raised with the Messiah, keep focusing on the things that are above, where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Again, focus on the things that are above. Jeremiah 27, sorry, Jeremiah 24, verse 7 says, I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. And they will return to me with their whole heart. Jeremiah saying, I will give them a heart for me, for I am their God. Having a heart for God, that infers that your focus is on him. Psalms 91, verse 14 to 15 says, Because he has focused his love on me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in distress. I will deliver him and I will honor him. But I want to very quickly read, if, if, if it can be brought up on the screen, Psalms 70, uh, chapter 71. If that can be brought up on the screen quickly, Psalms 71. This psalm, as they're getting it ready, a word from King David. And the, the background behind this is that David was going through some battles, as we know. He had killed somebody. He'd been in a situation where he was under stress. But this is an example of David choosing to focus on God. So it says, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Verse 2. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Verse 3. Be my strong refuge to which I have made resort continually. You have given me, you've given a commandment to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Verse 4. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man. And he goes on. For you are my hope, O oh my Lord. You are my trust from my youth. Now David was going through a situation. But again, just by the demonstration of the words that he spoke, 
His focus was not on his battle. It wasn't on the trouble that he was going through. But it was on God. He said, for you are my hope, O Lord God. And I want to encourage you with these words. That any situation, whether you're going through one now, or guaranteed you will go through one in the future, because the life we live in, we will always be challenges and battles that come our way. Follow the example of David and focus on him. Say, Lord, you are my hope. Oh, Lord God, you are my trust from my youth. He's saying that he's not trusted in himself, as many of us do. And I'm sure David himself did on many occasions. But he recognized trust in himself is a waste of time. Instead, let me focus on the God that I serve. So I think I ended on elements of self-focus. So I want to continue from there. Because focusing on yourself isn't the only opposition to focusing on God. There are many other oppositions. But I want to highlight just a few before I conclude and I pray. Another opposition to focusing on God is relationship-focused. Now, this is an interesting one. This one covers all relationships outside of your relationship with God. So it could be your spouse, your siblings, your parents, your aunties, your uncles, your grandparents, your work colleagues, your neighbors, your boss, your clients, etc., etc. Now, see, each of these relationships... They all play a very specific role in your life. And you know that they do. And to some extent, they contribute towards your identity or your self-worth, depending on the relationship that you have. You know, when I looked at my, uh, myself, when my mom passed, there was a realization I had actually, I'm now an orphan. Both my parents have passed on. And I spoke to my sister Shirley, who's, who's online about it. And we were like, yeah, actually, wow, we're both we're orphans. But see, because our focus is not on the fact that we are orphans, our parents are gone, that could have been a situation. Because there are some people who they've lost their parents through an accident or something, where their parents were there one minute and then their parents have disappeared. And their whole life could be turned upside down. Because they, they, their identity and their self-worth was in that relationship, which is now gone. It disappeared. And sometimes... Where a relationship that we have with somebody is either damaged or it has disappeared. The impact has on us is that we ourselves could be damaged because that relationship is damaged. Or if that relationship has ended, then we become disconnected in some particular way. Because these relationships all have some form of impact in terms of our self-worth and how we see ourselves. And for a few of us, we're in this kind of situation. And as I said, the focus needs to be on God as opposed to the relationship. You know, there are many stories in, 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 in stories generally about this. I want to mention the story of Samson uh, and, and Delilah in the book of Judges. Without going into, going taking too long, Samson was a man that God blessed in terms of his relationship with him. Bible says that the presence of God would come upon Sam, uh, Samson and he would have a supernatural ability to just 
uh, kill and just destroy things with, with physical force in a way that nobody else could. But the purpose of that power was only for God. It was to demonstrate God's authority, to demonstrate the things of God. And that was it. It was never to be used for anything personal or anything, that not, never to be used for anything that was related to, to Samson. But when you read the from God, and instead it, it, it was focused on Delilah. Now, it wasn't that God didn't want them to be together, but because of his focus, unfortunately, Samuel allowed the relationship with Delilah to cause the very presence of God that he had to be taken away. And we know the story. When Delilah was trying to find out from him where he got his power from, he eventually told her when, um, when he shouldn't have. And then when he told her, the, uh, the army people of, um, I can't remember what they were called, the Philistines came, and then they recognized his power, shaved his head off because that's where his power came from. And eventually, he died prematurely. All because his focus shifted from himself, from God, sorry, to himself, or to his relationship with Delilah. You know, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a, a story that I heard recently um, about a married couple. It's a true story. And um, the wife had an affair with somebody and got pregnant. And eventually, the husband wasn't even told. He found out indirectly. So this, this caused a, a massive explosion in their marriage. But the man, when he found out, obviously initially he wanted to end the marriage. He didn't want anything to do with his wife anymore. But he spent time, I think, with um, someone close to him um, who, I don't know if they were a pastor, but they were, you know, um, somebody who was close to him and was strong in their walk with the Lord. And he encouraged him and spoke to him, was showing him what the word says about marriage and reminding him about his position because his position as a husband hadn't, hadn't changed. His wife position and a wife hadn't changed. But obviously what had taken place shouldn't have taken place. But by reminding him what the scripture said, as his role as a husband. This man was saying that his focus shifted because straight away he was focusing on himself. I can't be raising somebody else's child. This is not my child. My wife has done this, etc. But because his focus shifted based on the word of God, the two of them are now raising this child with their other children and they are developing in their marriage. And that is an amazing story. Because that is an example of where you choose to focus on God. This kind of situation is no games here. There's no, no, no pretend or whatever. Because if anyone, any one of us here who are married, we're in this kind of situation. Not only has your partner cheated on you, but then they become pregnant or the husband has a, wife, a baby with somebody else. That's a different level in terms of the relationship in your marriage and, and the impact. But yet, this person chose to focus on God. Psalm 91, I read it already, and I read it again. Psalm 91, 14 to 15 says, Because he had focused his love on me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. 
When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in distress. I will deliver him and I will honor him. This man put this scripture into practice. He called out to the Lord in distress. And the Lord delivered him. And the Lord honored him. And that's why we can mention this story as an example. Then there's money focus. We spoke about relationship focus. Then there's being money focused. Matthew 6, 20, um, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know, for some of us, in the morning, the first thing that we think about when we wake up is money. We think of our bank account, whether there's a lot there or there's not a lot there. Our focus is on finance. Matthew 19, 24, give this warning. It says, I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And I believe that Jesus said this because of the pull of the spirit of mammon, which is money, is so strong. Because the reality is that whenever somebody is chasing money, that chasing never stops because you, you can never quench a hunger when it comes to the flesh. So money is one example. We'll never find somebody who can say, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy with the amount of money that I've got outside of the things of God. Because that hunger can never be quenched when you have a pure desire for money. And the Bible makes it clear that you cannot serve God and money. And again, it's not wrong to be rich. I'm not, I'm definitely, I'm not advocating that. Because for many, for many of you, you know, God, I'm sure, has, has, has a purpose and a plan for, for many of you to make a lot of money and to be rich. But that's not what I'm talking about here. If your desire for riches outweighs your focus on God, you will regret it. And you will be in trouble. So then the, the importance is that to make sure is that you are focused on God. So that when you receive the finance that God wants to give to you, that the focus is on him. So you'll use it in a way that will bless his kingdom. And also you'll be blessed yourself. So money focus is something to look out for. Then there's being job or career focused. There's some really tragic stories that I've known about with regards to people being career and job focused. Even yesterday we were speaking to uh, some friends of ours and they were telling us a story of um, this person who was a head teacher and for teachers obviously you go through the Ofsted uh, application um, and you get a different grading which I think is satisfactory, good or outstanding. So this particular woman was being um, um, was being what's the word yeah, audited or she's, she's being um, referenced by um, by Ofsted in relation to her childcare position and unfortunately for her she didn't receive outstanding she didn't receive good she didn't receive satisfactory she received inadequate now apparently whenever if you receive an inadequate on, a, on an Ofsted score it's almost like a, a tarnish a black mark so any job that you try to apply for afterwards, it's like in teaching or anything to do with childcare, it's nearly impossible for you to get any other job. 
So this person received this inadequate uh, position. And their whole life collapsed. And unfortunately, they took their own life. Because their focus, unfortunately, was on their career. Their career gave them total identity. What they did, to some extent, made them who they were. And when that was taken away, it's as though their, their, their existence was also taken away. And that's the danger when we are career or job focused outside of being focused on God. Remember the song, Jesus be the center. So nobody's saying that you shouldn't chase a career. You shouldn't pursue a career. Nobody's saying that. But if Jesus is not involved, if God is not involved in that focus, then there's a risk that when that thing is taken away, that your own self-worth also will be taken away. And that is what happened to this particular, particular woman. There's even another story that happened about 2008 or so, um, around the time when the credit crash um, uh, took place. This guy found out in the morning that he lost his job when the markets all crashed. This is the true story. Having breakfast with his family in a plush high-rise building. He finished having breakfast with his family, walked off the balcony and just jumped and ended his own life with his family there eating in front of him because his focus was on his career. And when the job was taken away, it's as though his whole, whole life was taken away. That is not any of our portion because we know where our focus should be. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, as you focus on God, the Bible says that he will keep you in perfect peace. That whatever comes your way, let it come your way. Because if your focus is on him, the Bible says that he will keep your mind on him and he will bring perfect peace to you in whatever situation that you're facing. Finally, before I pray, there's being possessions focused. Focus on your possessions. If you recall last time I, I read the story in the book of Acts about um, a married couple called Ananias and Sapphira who unfortunately, their lives are ended prematurely because their focus was on their property and the money that they were due to give to the church from their property. They held back some money for themselves. And when they were asked if they held back any money, they lied. And because what they did was a holy act because the whole church was doing it, so everything that was being done was done as an act of worship to God. It was, it was a holy uh, act that they were doing. When they lied, the husband lied first, and instantly he died. Then the wife came. They asked her the same question as the husband. Have you withheld money uh, that, that you got from, from your property? She also lied and said, uh, no, they haven't withheld money. When they did withhold money, the Bible said that she also died instantly. Being possession-focused. You know, I want to end with this story and then this scripture that I want to pray. This is the story, actually, that um, um, Lynette mentioned to me about a week or so ago. And it's a true story, very interesting story. Um, so this man was traveling um, somewhere. And his car was packed with all these possessions. He had friends in his car as well. And... His friend, 
who wasn't going with him on this journey was saying to him, man, you've packed your car so much. You know, he said, listen, make sure that you've got room in that car for the Lord. And this guy wasn't really a Christian or so. He, wasn't, he didn't have a relationship with God. And the guy kind of dismissed his comment and said, oh, yeah, you know what? Listen, in tongue, he said it in tongue and she said, the Lord can go in the boots because my car's already full. So the guy made a journey, drove wherever he was going to. True story, the guy had a horrific accident. Everybody in the car died. When they checked the car, everything was, was in a wreck completely. But they noticed that in the boot, the person packed some eggs. When they checked the boot, remember where he said that the Lord should go to the boot? They checked the boot and the eggs were totally perfect. Not one crack in any of the eggs. Because he said, the Lord is in the boot. That's where the Lord was. You see, let me read the scripture. Colossians 3, 2. It says, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. When our minds are focused on God, regardless of whatever we face, we can face it with peace and with confidence because we know that our focus is on him as opposed to ourselves. This person unfortunately lost their lives because they didn't recognize the importance of focusing on God. And with that, I want to, you to just bow your heads and I want us to pray. There were four things that I wanted to add in order for us to remain focused on God. And I'll say it very quickly. One is to prioritize your personal daily devotion with God. Don't muck around with your time with God at all. Your time of worship, time of praying, feeding on the word of God. Prioritize those times. Because through that you will develop a focus on God that will become routine. Number two is to be deliberately involved in the life of your church. Whatever that means to you. Be involved. Three, serve in God's house as part of his kingdom. In whatever way, serve within the, the house of God in whatever way. Because this will keep you connected with him. And in four, make disciples. This is a command that we've been given. A commission that we've been given to go therefore and make disciples. As we do these things, our focus shifts from ourselves and stays on the Lord. So I want us to pray right now. I want you to pray. And I want you to speak to the Lord yourself. If you know that within your life, that your focus has been more directed towards other things. It could be your finances. It could be your career. It could be your relationships with different ones. And those things have to some extent diluted your relationship with God. As opposed to be God being at the very center. Speak to him. Where you need to ask for forgiveness ask for forgiveness but also ask him to renew that focus within you on God himself thank you Lord so Lord as you hear your children speaking to you Lord I want to agree with them and I pray that Lord that you will forgive us where our focus has been on other things, 
It's been on ourselves. It's been on our relationships. It's been on our finances, our careers. We will put you to one side. Father, we pray, forgive us. Have mercy on us, O oh God. Lord, we are asking that you will renew a fresh desire within us to be focused on you. That we will not focus on our challenges or our battles. But Lord, we will look to you. As your word says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we choose to fix our eyes on you in every situation. We will not run away from what we are facing. But instead, we will be focused on you. And that you will give us the answers. You will give us the solutions. You will open whatever door that needs to be opened. In order for us, oh God, to say thank you to you in that situation. So that you receive the glory. So Father, I thank you for hearing us. Help us. And cause each one to be at peace as they focus on you. Thank you and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.